So David, would you ever take um, performance enhancing drugs? No. Well, no. It, no. Ever. Like there's no situation under which you would take some performance enhancing drugs. If you told me there was a drink or a pill or a shot that I could take that would make me like one of the best teachers in the world and off like give me any job that I want anywhere in the country and possibly really good money for teaching really well based off of this pill that I take, I would be tempted. Yeah. Um, now, would you ever take performance enhancing drugs that didn't help you in your sport? No. Here's a different question. Um, what would be the least obvious sport that someone would be found caught doping? Boggle? <laughs> Very close. Scrabble? Very close. All right, so this week, uh, Norwegian Gare Helgemo, no relation to Elmo. That was bad. It was so bad. Or let me just rewind that. Norwegian Gare Helgemo. Okay, from, from episode one, yep. I'm telling you, it does not work that way. Uh, the rewind? Yes. Like, so what I used to do is I'd go back and make, like, fix all your mistakes. Uh, that got exhausting. No, I'm pretty sure I just went, and they were gone. No. See, what you would do, you'd make that sound. Yeah, yeah. I would go back, and I would take out all the stuff you were trying to, away with your, like, fake mind games uh, that you're doing. And then I would edit it out using computer technology stuff. That's what I did, but now it's like it's exhausting. If I did that, it would take me four hours, so I just let it ride. Tomato, potato. Whatever. Finish your story. Um, Norwegian. Tomato, potato. <laughs> Norwegian Gare Helgemo was handed a one year ban. Okay. After testing positive for synthetic testosterone. Okay. And a female fertility drug. Huh? At That's a, counter. At a competition last year. A competition for what you say? I didn't say it, but go for it. Um, bridge. The card game Bridge. He's the number one bridge player in the world. Did Mel Kuyper have him number one? <laughs> oh, he's been on his big board since, uh, like, the early 90s. Gare, 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 gare. <laughs> Shut up, Frank Caliendo. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, the world number one, he'll be unable to compete until November 2020. In Bridge. And he has to give up all of his 2018 titles, medals, points... What's his, what his, are his endorsements all like AARP? <laughs> so, Depends. So, Ben Gay. Bridge is an Olympic sport. Or at least it's, it's recognized by the International Olympic Committee. Okay, so, and so, are those two things not the same? I don't really know. I didn't do enough research. Okay, that's on, that's on. Uh, but, but they follow the Olympic rules, which means they, they have to be compliant with the World Anti-Doping Agency rules, right? So, okay, okay, now this is confusing. So he's taking a woman's fertility drug, mm -hmm. and he has synthetic testosterone in the system, which is basically steroids. Yeah, yeah. So, so my theory, based on reading two paragraphs of the story. Should you put a tin hat on for this? Uh, is that you take the fertility drug to mask the testosterone. Like, it, they kind of work, like, you get the benefits from the testosterone, and the fertility drug maybe does something with the test, so that when you take the test, so, your so level you should know, should balance out. So you know a test is coming up, and you take the fertility drug to increase your, your estrogen, estrogen. so that it's, like, in balance with your testosterone. But the testosterone levels will still be high. Be, it, it's not like a net thing. It's not like testosterone I don't know how estrogen. urine works. Obviously, Can you 100% say you know how urine works? I understand how urine works. Yes, yeah, so you drink something, and then when you drink it, you how the, the everything is analyzed in your how many urines have you analyzed? Well, 
To date? None. Case in point. I don't know. Is that the right time to use that phrase? Um, I don't think it is. So Is that a good bridge hand? I don't know. All right. Jack 963 of hearts. I've never played bridge, but it's apparently a very popular sport. And the Norwegians are are heartbroken today because they've lost the number one player in the world. Now, the, the president of the Norwegian Bridge Federation, his name is... Or her? I'm going to go with a her. Kari and Opsel said that the drugs were not performance enhancing. I don't know, Kari. Why is he taking synthetic testosterone? And so I could get it. I could get synthetic testosterone because maybe he's like aging. He wants to reverse the effects of aging. I mean, he's like, you know, world's most eligible bachelor, you know, number one bridge player in the world. Yeah. The fans flock to the streets when he's in town. So you're saying they're, they're bridge groupies? It would not be surprising to me. Um, so, but yeah, he's aging, right? You want some synthetic testosterone? You want to keep your pecs in check? Um, you don't want to lose your hair? So you got to take that synthetic testosterone, but at the same time, oh, I'm the best bridge player in the world. I know I'm going to get rando uh, uh, urine checked. So Rando urine check is my new favorite phrase. So got to also take that female fertility drug and mask the results. He probably got the, uh, the, the, the ratios out of whack, and, and that's what did it, I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah, let's see. The Federation, this is the Norwegian Bridge Federation's website, said Ger Helgemo has previously played for the Norwegian national team and is our biggest star. Ooh. Many within the bridge community know Ger and respect him. That's my favorite. So if you <laughs> if you say he's Bridge's biggest star, then said many know him in the bridge scene, right? <laughs> so if he were really a big star, everyone would know him, right? Yeah. Like when you say LeBron James, it's not just like everyone in basketball circles know him. Right? He's such a big star that everyone knows him. He's yeah. like a world-known athlete. But this guy is the biggest sport, uh, biggest player in his sport, and number one player in his sport, apparently. And not everyone in the bridge community know him. Many in the bridge community know him. That just tells you what we're dealing with here. And, of course, why it's leading the first ten minutes of our podcast today. The, the Federation goes on to say, uh, the president, Kari Ann, says, I feel bad for Gare, or I feel for Gare, in this situation, and hope he will come back stronger after November 2019. 2019 when his ban ends so uh yeah he's gonna come back stronger he's gonna be able to take some synthetic testosterone right? without, without fear of being drug tested that's right well i feel like all of this is just urine under the bridge oh okay that would have been a great way to end this but i had one more paragraph i wanted to get to okay you would think um illegal drugs may be a problem in a sport like bridge because obviously right obviously but here's some less obvious sports uh in 2015 the daily telegraph reported that just for bridge 3.6 percent of bridge players tested positive for prohibited substances okay one over one percent of billiards players and over 10 percent of anglers what's an angler i don't know it's a fisherman is that what it is yeah they fish well okay i know that competitively is there not that's what it means though there's not a different type of angler no, I, I doubt there's like a like a math decathlon where they have to figure out angles. No, mm. they're they're fishing. Oh, well, you know what they say? It's all urine under the bridge. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. This is subjectively correct sports, the only show on the internet featuring 
featuring or featuring. Featuring. Anthony We're a couple and I. of featuring guys. Was that a play on the word fetching? Yeah. Well, I'm fetching. I got my nice shirt on and stuff. You're slumming it. What? You're bumming it. This is my normal attire. Oh. Like I said, you're slumming it. Oh. Uh, please subscribe. Unsubscribe, then subscribe again. It's an old uh, podcasting trick. Is it really? <laughs> I don't know. I'm teasing. It, I don't think it does anything. <laughs> but definitely like and leave a review for our podcast. We love hearing from our fan. Uh, you can uh, send people to our website at subjectivelycorrect.com if you would like to introduce your friends and family to our podcast to hear about urine player uh, urine samples from bridge players that no one's ever heard of and that people in their own sport. Whoa, 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 whoa! Many in the bridge community. Have yeah, heard. and I said some haven't heard of him. You've had a listening problem today. Hmm? Uh, subjectivelycorrect.com. You can email us at the email address subjectivelycorrect.gmail. or at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So we're doing something new here on the podcast. Normally we uh, script out pretty much every topic that we're going to go for, and uh, we plan it out. Uh, this time I decided uh, to propose to Anthony to do something a little more crazy and just go off the seat of our collective pants. And the idea of sharing pants with you just got really weird. I shouldn't let that linger. We're going to need a bigger pant. down down Why shark noise? Jaws. Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat. It's a line from Jaws. Yeah, that was a loose connection, but we'll take it. Wow. It was really loose. I, I didn't feel that connection very strongly at all. Okay, what can I do? I don't know. Apparently nothing. Okay, uh, so we don't have anything like planned out. We have things we want to talk about. We have topics that we want to go for, but we didn't plan out how we were going to do it. It seems to be going swimmingly so far. No Jaws lines. <laughs> so what has in sports been on the front of your mind this week? Like what has been going on? Uh, Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies is... Uh, in my mind, the biggest thing that's happened over the last seven days. Yeah, did it surprise you that when his contract ends, Bobby Bonilla <laughs> will still be getting million dollars a year from the Mets? No, I'm just kidding. That is shocking and surprising. Yeah, it is. Bobby yeah. Bonilla played that, the game. That contract goes through what, 2030? Something like that. 2031? It's, it's a long time. And it's like a million dollars a year? Yes. But, so Bryce Best Harper, contract ever. So Bryce Harper is going to be a Philly unless something catastrophic happens until he's 39. Yeah, the only way he wouldn't be a Philly is if uh, he either agreed to a trade... No trade clause. Or he retired. Yeah, no trade clause, uh, no player or team options in this contract. He basically said, I want to finish my career in the next place I go to, and he chose Philadelphia. And you had a great line. I said, he must really love Philadelphia. What did you say? uh, His wife must really love Philadelphia. Yeah, which... but then I thought about it more, and baseball players are on the road for like 100 days a year, and they're not going to be hurting for cash, so she can spend that time wherever she wants, I think. Word. Uh, but this was but surprising. Case, but but if I was really surprised by right? the contract. And yeah. my, my first thought, when I saw 13 years and no options and no trade clauses, I thought he wants to be there long term, and I thought he wants to start a family. I wouldn't be surprised okay. in the next couple of years if the Harpers welcome a little baby that is yoked like the dad <laughs> and is hitting dingers at two months. Yeah, uh, because sure. if you if you want stability and you're starting a family, you're starting to send kids to uh, to school and stuff like that. You want to put down some roots. So I think Bryce Harper is going to start a family soon. Yeah, I just think that he you could do that from wherever though. Like yeah, like w- and I guess when you're when you're making millions of dollars. You can you live in a different world than you and I do. Yeah, you and can, so you school isn't as big a deal like where you go to school, private schools, tutors. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you can do with all that money. But at the same time, I imagine if you're starting a family, you want to put down roots somewhere. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, a lot of professional athletes' families are not, like, located where they play, right? Like, they're, they have their family somewhere that's not necessarily... Because they move around so much, because they're traded so much, uh, you know, they might be raising their family in L.A. or Florida or Vegas or something, right? Um, or wherever the hometown is. And then, you know, half the year they're able to be there, and then there's days off and breaks and stuff. Um, but, but I guess this adds just a little bit more time in that city. So that's fine. I wasn't surprised with the location. I mean, the Phillies had been the front runner all off season. Yeah. Everyone knew they had the most money to offer um, and a young roster that's intriguing and they made it even better before they got Harper. Uh, they added Segura, they added Real Muto. So, and McCutcheon. And McCutcheon. Who's, who's gone a little bit of a slide in his yeah. career, but I mean, he's protected in the lineup a little bit more now. He'll probably see more pitches to hit, so he might have a little resurgence in a new place. Yeah, um, but but it's a, it's a good... It's a good team, and they've got money to spend. They can definitely make Mike Trout the biggest contract offer ever when he comes up for free agency after next, is it 2020? I think so. 2020? So, so they'll be, you think they'll be able to pay Harper and Trout? Yeah. Well, they had, they had I think, about like $70 million under the luxury tax coming into this offseason. And then Bryce adds about, what, 20, 26 and a half? Yeah. And so, I mean, if they wanted to pay Mike Trout $50 million a year, they could. Jeez. Right. Granted, the, you know, some of their younger guys are going to have to decide, are we going to want to pay these guys as well? And that factors in. But ultimately, if you've got Mike Trout and Bryce Harper on the same team, you're making so much money that the luxury tax doesn't become that big of an issue. The Phillies will be must-watch baseball. Yeah. If you have those two guys playing on the same team, I mean, right now, Mike Trout's the most exciting player in baseball, but because he plays on the West Coast and his games start at 9 p.m. Eastern time... He doesn't get a lot of national attention, which is crazy because mm-hmm. he's the best, statistically, he's the best player in baseball. Yeah. And then part of that maybe is personality too. Like What personality? <laughs> yeah. He's, his last name is a fish. He's a fish. He has, well, fish have more personality than him. Yeah. Ask any angler, which is a fisherman. Mm-hmm. What's the coolest fish name? Because trout's not, right? You can, you can spice it up a little and go rainbow trout. No, Mike Rainbow Trout. No, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Shark is is a good one. Mike Shark, Mike Tiger Shark, Mike Tiger Shark's a good one. Yeah, because then you get one. Mike the Tiger, which is like Tony the Tiger, but it's Mike plus Shark. I'm down. You got the Tiger, you got a Shark. I like Mike Swordfish. Mike Spermwell. No. Okay. Don't like it. Mike Orca. That's, how, oh, that's, like, that's like, oh, I popped my Gorka. <laughs> where, where exactly is your Gorka located? <laughs> Mike, Mike Orca is out. I sprained my Gorka last yeah. week. Running to Took first. A nasty slip. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that would be an intriguing team for sure. And baseball is a weird sport where you can stack the team and not... And not make the playoffs. Not make the playoffs, right? Like, for every Yankees team that made the playoffs and won the World Series that was stacked, that you know, the, the A-Rod, Teixeira, Jeter, Cano, Rivera, Pettit, I mean, uh, who was on there, those teams? Damon, uh, Giambi. Bernie Williams was still on the team, I think. Um, yeah, they were, they, were, they were stacked. I mean, there was no, like, hole in the order. And especially uh, especially back at that time, that the conventional wisdom was you put that lineup out there and they're going to dominate everybody. On paper, that looked like the best lineup in baseball. And, and the Red Sox, who had, like, you know... The ragtag group. Yeah, won, I think, two World Series in the same time frame that the Yankees won one. 
so baseball's just weird that way, right? Uh, it's it's a team sport, but it's very much like an individual sport. It's 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 just weird, and it's what makes the game as a fan frustrating. But at the same time, like because the expectations are so low, if you're if you're in the know, right? Like if you're a casual Dodgers fan right now, you may be upset. Like oh, we got the World Series twice, and we didn't like do that much to improve our team this offseason. What are we doing? But like as an informed fan, I think you have more patience because you know what's coming up through the pipeline. You kind of understand that throwing $300 million at this team probably isn't going to do that much, right? Especially for a player like Harper who doesn't have maybe the playoff pedigree that you, just because he hasn't been in the playoffs that much, right? Like you don't know what you're getting. And they tried that twice now with Machado and you Darvish over the last two seasons and both have kind of flamed out in the playoffs for them. Big time. Yeah. Especially Darvis in the World Series. So. So, so my question is, why are teams throwing this much money at these players at all? Well, I don't think I don't think this is that much money. I mean, I think it's a lot of money, right? But if you go back to 2000, what was it? 2001, 2002, the year A-Rod signed his massive deal. The Rangers. If you adjust it for inflation, it's like $10, $15 million more a year than what Bryce Harper's ma- making now. And so we're saying that the that... Um, these contracts are high, like Stanton and Harper's, but when you compare them to the contracts that were being given out 15, 20 years ago, um, adjusted for inflation, they're not really higher. And so... So what you're saying is these unprecedented numbers that we're hearing aren't that astronomical when you consider that A-Rod and other players had gotten bigger contracts if you adjust for inflation. So this is, and plus baseball is making more money now than it ever has. Right. So these numbers shouldn't surprise us too much. And I've actually read some pieces saying that Bryce Harper at 330 million over 13 years is kind of a bargain. Yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, because it's you, either you take it out by year and say it's you know twenty five a year, or you say it's thirty a year for the first ten years and ten for uh, each of the last three years. Like in in five, six, seven years, that may not look like a lot of money just because of the luxury tax keeps increasing, the revenue keeps increasing. Um, you know whether that continues or not, we don't know. But mm-hmm. if it does, then sure, is his his salary becomes a much smaller piece of the overall uh, salary for the team, right? And the overall revenue. Um, yeah, so so I don't, I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. And, I mean, it's the same principle that, like, you look at movies. Like, every year there's a new movie that's, like, breaking records. Like, oh, the biggest grossing movie of all time, right? I think Avatar is the, is, is the current one. But, like, for a while it was like, oh, we have a new one now. Every, every year it was, like, setting new records. And it's, well, yeah, movie prices are more than they were you know, 50 years ago, and you get, like, 3D movies, you get IMAX movies, all that counts, and so, like, but, but if you go by actual, like, ticket sales, and Gone with the Wind, right, has sold, like, the most tickets of all time, right, because there were two movies released that year, <laughs> I don't know how many, but, like, two's probably close, yeah. but it's the same principle, so, I don't think, right now, we're not seeing, we're not seeing players pay top dollar, right, um, I mean, they're, they're being paid, a couple of them are being paid, right, Machado and, and, and Harper, they're paying, being paid, handsomely but it's not egregious in my in my point of view when looking at the the total league the amount of money these teams are making and their overall um the salary for their rosters now when mike trout becomes a free agent i mean you could see 40 a year 50 a year for 10 years i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility and and in that case that may be crazy even for trout maybe 
Uh, I was disappointed he didn't sign with the Dodgers. Like, of course. I, I don't think the Dodgers need him. I don't think they need another outfielder. You're saying the Dodgers don't need Bryce Harper. If you got Bryce Harper, you would be ecstatic right now. No, I'd be, I'd be really happy. I just don't think that they need him. Like, they obviously they went to the last two World Series without him. They didn't win. But would another left-handed bat and an already left-handed heavy lineup help that much? I, I don't know. Saying. They struggled against righties already. So, I'm sorry, they struggle against lefties. And so another left-handed bat, I don't think would would help that much. Sure, he'd be better than the other left-handed bats in the lineup. Um, but that also takes a spot away in the outfield from a couple guys who are trying to get into the major leagues, but the, the Dodgers outfield has been stacked over the last few years. You've got a guy like Alex Verdugo, who in spring training is just crushing it. And uh, he's been their number one prospect for a couple years, but hasn't been called up because... There's been nowhere for him to go. Is that the motivation behind shipping Puig out to make room for this guy yeah, you, you sh- just named? You ship out Puig and 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 Kemp and um, and Bellinger becomes your everyday right fielder. Pollock is your everyday center fielder who they signed over the offseason. And left field is going to be a competition probably between Peterson and Verdugo. Okay. And you got a few other bats in the lineup. We don't need to get that deep into Dodgers. But but it would have been cool. I would have loved to have seen him on a short term deal. There were reports that he was being offered somewhere in the $40 million range per year for, for four or five years. Other reports had it a little bit lower than that, but the average uh, per year would have been higher and probably with an opt-out after a couple of years, which if you're looking at how much money can Bryce Harper get over the course of his career would have been the better option, assuming he's not injured and assuming a similar level of production, which I think is safe to assume for a few years considering he's in his prime. Yeah. Um, but you run the risk of an injury or some kind of decline, and then the remaining 10 years that he's contracted for maybe being on a lower value. So it's not a dumb move. It's never a dumb move to say, yes, I'll take $330 million. And it's never a dumb move to be in a place you want to be, assuming he really likes Philadelphia. A lot of reports said he wanted to be on the West Coast. It turned out that I guess the, the Giants had offered something like, uh, 12 years, 310 million, something like that. So he could have done it if he wanted to, but ultimately I think, you know, a combination of maybe the organization and the money and length and stability and that's what that's what wooed him. So good for him. I, you know, I don't wish the Phillies any luck, but, you know. So I've always liked Bryce Harper. Yeah. I've liked him since he, you know, he was a Vegas kid. So I followed his career quite a bit and it's pretty amazing that he's basically a, he's basically a seven-year veteran at the age of 26. That doesn't happen very often. No, that's fair. Especially for position players. Sometimes you'll get the ace pitcher that comes up when he's 19 and starts dominating the league pretty early, mm-hmm. and they become more of a star, more of a hot commodity. But the fact that we have a position player who is not he's marketable, he produces, and he produces in the biggest way with home runs, so analytically he's attractive in yeah. that way. And he's locked in for this amount of time. I mean, I think the Phillies... Uh, got a good deal on his contract. Yeah. And like you said, it leaves room to sign another really high-value player like Mike Trout. Yeah. And it, I don't know if you saw uh, reports on this about the ticket sales in the first few days after he was signed. Yeah. They sold uh, something like 200,000 tickets in the first two days uh, after he was announced. Um, and his jersey, his his Phillies jersey, his number three jersey, has already uh, is the biggest first two-day sales of any sports jersey ever yeah. in any wow. sport. And not just that, but I thought it was really cool how he said uh, he wore 34 in uh, in Washington, and he decided to switch to three 
because uh, Roy Halladay was the last one to wear 34. Yeah. And he, of course, died tragically. And he said, I feel like Roy should be the last one to wear it. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, that was a classy move by him. And and good get for the Phillies. He's um, Even if his numbers stay the same or tail off, like he's fun. He's fun to watch. He'll always have these electric moments. He's always going to play the game hard. Um, and uh, I think he's an asset on any team, so 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 good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it stands, there's only a couple more free agents, really. Like I mean, there's a lot of free agents still out there that were on MLB rosters last year. Yeah. But um, there's only a couple like big big names like Dallas Keuchel still. Right. Um, one thing in all this has been made very clear to me: the owners in baseball are making a ton of yeah. money. They're making so much money. And I think we, we kind of lose this in this fact that these players seem like they're getting tons and tons of money, but we see those contracts and those are always made public. We don't see what the owner of the Phillies is bringing in yearly and we don't see the overall value of the franchise. So it's like we may see these big numbers. We're like, oh my gosh, these players are getting paid so much. Yeah. But trust me, these owners are making so much more. Yeah. And you know that the players are aware that something's going on. Right, that that they're not getting what they would consider to be the fair share uh, mm-hmm. of the pie, and this current collective bargaining agreement, the agreement that's negotiated between the owners and the players as to revenue share and the uh, different rules on free agency, etc., that expires in 2021. Right, so we've got essentially two years, uh, two summers from when, or uh, I don't know if it's after the 2021 season. I think it's probably after the 2021 season. So three years essentially. Two and a half years, whatever it is, uh, until that expires. And when it does, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lockout. Um, I hope there's not one, but I wouldn't be surprised just because, um, because of this particular off season. If it continues an- another off season and-, and another, I think Mike Trout, you know, it gets crazy with him. But what about all the other free agents? Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the players um, kind of you know hold their ground and 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 fight for more piece of the pie and maybe try and get rid of the luxury tax or it's it's a it's an interesting thing because you've got these small market teams that are you know they they live because of the revenue sharing right and they need that luxury tax uh and then you got these other teams that don't want to spend it like the yankees and dodgers and red sox that could very well spend above it but they're trying so hard to get below it because it is somewhat punitive um and they would give the players so much more money but they just, it doesn't make financial sense for them, especially when uh, you have these young players on super friendly contracts into their prime, right? Like you were saying, the, it's really rare that you have a seven-year veteran who's age 26, and the reason it's so rare is because when you have someone who's so great, like a Vlad Guerrero Jr., Vlad Jr., um, you intentionally hold him in the minors uh, an so, extra so- two three years just so you can have more of his prime right. on and, a friendly contract. And a dirty trick that they do to these minor leaguers, especially these really good ones, is they won't call them up to the majors until like July or something. I don't know what the exact yeah, time. June, July. June yeah. or July. But if you do that, they stay on that minor league contract they were before. So you don't have to pay them as a major leaguer and you mm-hmm. still retain their rights for an additional year. Basically, that year doesn't count. It's almost like a red shirt yeah. in college sports. And it's just a dirty trick to play on these guys. And I think a lot of these players in Major League Baseball – are getting fed up with the stuff that you're seeing. I think that's why there's this angst building between the players and the owners in Major League Baseball. Gritty went streaking. Who's that? Gritty. He went what? Streaking. 
Naked? Naked gritty? Naked gritty. Okay. Gritty normally just wears a shirt. Right? Does he go Winnie the Pooh? I... I'm gonna effort that. Okay, so we're gonna look up uh, Gritty to make sure that- to basically verify whether or not Gritty wears pants. But for a game, he uh... He streaked in all of his Gritty glory. No, he's wearing pants. Oh, those pants is there, it's just a really long shirt. No, no, those are those are pants. You oh, see, yeah. it's the hockey jersey on like top a, and pants on bottom. Okay. Right? So he is, uh, yes. He's so he's normally fully a fully clothed. clothed grit, but during a Philadelphia Flyers game, he went streaking. The Flyers have been on a tear since his streaking incident. Okay. Speaking of scandals. <laughs> so uh, they're on their own streak. Full circle. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. So moving on to another scandal. Do you remember the Lady Gaga and game. Bradley Cooper thing? Yes. Okay. So it How could I forget? Right? Get away. Get away. So it took the nation by storm for did like it. a whole two minutes. The nation did it. I had my pulse on the nation, Anthony. Okay. Well, but no, I had my finger on the pulse of the nation. My pulse was nowhere near the nation. That's... Most of the nation doesn't know anything. That's, that's inappropriate. It's just um, a pulse. That's assault. That's unwanted. To put my pulse on someone else? Un unwanted. I assaulted the nation by... You put your access. pulse on them. It's it's a little too close for comfort, David. Maybe the nation liked it. Maybe the nation wanted oh. to be there, feeling my pulse. I've heard that reasoning before. No, you haven't. Yeah. Well. You, you, okay. So you it, it, it gripped. Line. It gripped the nation. And that's better. What you said is better. <laughs> How is that better? No, I, I'm not saying it's better. I'm, I'm going back to your point. Okay. I'm continuing your line of thinking. I'm getting you back on track. That's weird. I'm not used to that. The train is not in the station, it's on the tracks. In fact, it's always on the tracks, even when it's in the station, but now it's moving. I've uh, watched Thomas the Train. Okay. I know how this works. Uh, I think... Thomas the... What's that I show can't. called? Thomas and Friends? What's the show called? Uh, yeah, there are two, there are four, there are six, there are eight. Shunting uh, trucks and hauling freight. freight. Uh, Red and green, green and brown, brown and, and blue. blue. They're, uh, They're really, the really, really useful crew. All with different roles to play. Around Tidmill Shed so far away. Uh, down, or down, down the, the hills, hills and around, around the, the bend. bend. Thomas and his friends. Thomas. He's the cheeky one. James. Is vain but lots of fun. Yeah, I'm cutting this off right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we could have gone on forever with that. Alright. Uh, another scandal is Grip the Nation. Okay. So Pete Davidson... The SNL actor who was dating seriously Ariana Grande. Okay. They were engaged. Yes. They were super serious. Now he's the sickly looking one. Yes. Okay. So they were super serious, right? Yeah. So apparently at a hockey game, and it might be a Philadelphia Phillies, Phillies, Philadelphia Flyers hockey game. No evidence of this. Or do it, we It's have on it? film. Okay. And on camera. No, I'm saying that it's Pete, in Philly. Whatever. Pete Davidson was making out with Kate Beckinsale of all people. Okay. Well. Check my watch. It's still 2019, so it makes sense. Cool. So there's that. All also, right. uh, is this our pop culture minute? I don't know. I was <laughs> we needed something to start this segment. I went with the Pete Davidson news and gritty streaking. Okay. Right. It was a gritty performance. His streak. He got away from the security guards. He was dodging left. He was dodging right. His gritty belly was shaking back and forth. It's hard to keep track of that. Like, I imagine uh, one of the reasons the fridge was able to score touchdowns close to the line of scrimmage mm -hmm. is because he juked to the left a little bit 
and that belly would like shift all like 45 yeah, degrees. Yeah, it was like a half second delay. Yeah. So it's hard to follow that. Yeah. You're, you're taught as a defender in basketball to, to look at the look at the Watch midsection. The hips, yeah. Yeah. Because so, that that's not gonna lie to you. The head's gonna lie to you, right? The feet are gonna lie to you, the hands are gonna lie to you, but that belly is gonna tell you where they're going, right? I don't know if there's a new teaching method now that's better, probably for coaching that kind of stuff. But Yeah, it's called the Olay method. Olay? Yes. You just let the defender run by. Because any kind of tackle, it's an automatic fifteen yards. Interesting. Something I actually did want to talk about that sports-related. Donovan Good. Mitchell is in his second year right now with the Jazz. Yes. He should Spider, have won. Yeah, Spider Mitchell. He should have won Rookie of the Year last year. Yeah, because he was the best rookie. Yes. He may have been the best out of him and the guy who won it who wasn't a rookie. Right? Uh, but he's been playing really well lately. Yeah. And he had they had a game against the Bucks, who are the best team in the East. I think they have the best record overall. Yeah. And he, well, they're in the East, so yes, the West it. teams beat each other up. But anyway, yeah. so so they're the best team in the East, and because you can't tell me right now that that the Rockets or the Bucks would lose to the to I mean the Rockets or the Warriors would lose to the Bucks in a in a three five or seven game series. Uh, I think the Rockets would. You do the Rockets? I think they would. Interesting. So I don't the, know that I don't know if Denver or the Warriors would. But I think the Rockets would. I think I think the top four teams in the West would probably beat the Bucks in a seven game series. No, I think they could, sure. But I think I think I, they would. I didn't say they could, I said they would. Yeah. Okay. Come I, at me, bro. And I come at me. And bro. I don't think they would. Whoa. <laughs> no, I it, just the Rockets. I just think the Rockets are too too inconsistent when it gets to the playoffs. And they rely too much on um isolation basketball. It worked all through the playoffs. It took an epic collapse. It worked for them until to lose. it didn't, right? But that's the thing, like the stars had to align in just the wrong way for the Rockets for them to lose that series last year, and people keep forgetting that. All they see is that the Warriors went to the championship and they won, but what people don't remember is that the Rockets should have won. The balls just stopped going in for a short period of time. If you if you played that scenario, I think I've said it on this show when it happened, if you replayed that scenario a thousand times, the Rockets would have won that game and would have been in the, the, the championship against the Cavs. Sure. But, but that one that time it didn't. Didn't I know. happen. Yeah, I know. But it was a freak thing. So the Rockets were out of the the championship just because of a freak thing. Yeah. So don't count them like out a so much. Great freak. Like a okay, sure. Tie it together. Donovan Mitchell. So they were down by I think fifteen in the fourth quarter, and he led the Jazz to a comeback. And he was making everything. He was getting to the lane. He was making three pointers. And I think what Donovan Mitchell represents is this evolution in the league where you have a very small guard who can get to the basket. And also shoot three pointers. It felt like early in the '90s and the early 2000s, it was like one or the other. You had the guard that could get to the basket and maybe shoot mid-range jumpers, but not shoot the three consistently over 40 percent. Mm-hmm. But now players like Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, who's been having himself a season, he's crazy. They shoot from outside and they can get to the basket, which creates all sorts of problems for defenders. Mm-hmm. You get the screen and roll going up top with Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell, and you have to decide. Do I come out and guard the three? Donovan Mitchell goes by you and goes to the rim with authority. Yeah, He's smart enough to make good passes, or he's good enough to get to the rim. Or if you back off him and try to get keep him out of the lane, he'll make threes at 40%. Which, I mean, how do you defend how that? How much do you think is that a, a just a concentrated effort on, on the development of these players as they're coming up through AAU, college... Uh, versus the rule changes from like the 90s where you could body someone a little bit more and so 
drive a smaller guard driving in, it would be more difficult for them. Um, I just wonder if it's if it's the evolution of the game and less of an emphasis on defense, or is it rule changes? I don't know. What 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 is it? I don't think it has anything to do with the defense that's being played right now. I think it has everything to do with the change in basketball where they realize the value of the three-point shot. And now teams are taking full advantage of the three-point shot. So before, if you were an Allen Iverson type guard who could get to the basket almost at will and get a 15-20 footer whenever you wanted through your mm-hmm. moves, so going to the basket and getting those 15 footers was good enough because they didn't appreciate the analytics of how important the three-pointer was. Yeah. So I think young players, college players, and high school players see that and see how the game has changed. And more coaches are accepting this idea of if I have five guys on the floor that can shoot a three at around 40%, I'm going to win as long as we shoot enough. Yeah. And teams are proving that. So I think it's more that. I think it's a yeah. change in the game and a change in the shift in coaching and the analytics of basketball where players like Donovan Mitchell who can get to the hole almost at will are suddenly realizing the value of that three-point shot and taking advantage of it. Yeah, and I think um, for a long time, especially like you look at the mid-late 90s and even early, you know, 2010, 2000, to about basically the Warriors uh, surge, or maybe even the Heat teams, um, is that you had one, maybe two guys on the roster who were your three-point specialists, yeah. right? And it's... The, the three and D guys was, was what they were called. Yeah, or, or even like a Reggie Miller or like a Steve Kerr who was not a D, right? But he, he'd come in and he'd line it up from three, right? He'd take those assists from Jordan Uh, and you you had at least one of those guys on almost every roster and Phil Jackson loved to employ that so like he had big shot Rob on the Lakers Robert Ori and he he was he was a good three-point shooter not compared to today's standards but compared to those standards and he was good for the big three right and there's stories of of, uh, when the Lakers won their their championship in 2009 against the Magic all season Jackson was telling Trevor Reza, keep shooting three. He was having a poor season shooting three, but keep shooting it, keep shooting it. We're going to need that in the playoffs. And sure enough, it, it, it really helped them in a big way in the playoffs. He was a, a big part in, in several moments. And so I think coaches started to see it more and more. Yes, we need, we need multiple guys who can shoot the three accurately. And uh, a little bit with the Heat, but really when the Warriors kind of, especially with the, the Curry and Thompson duo, um, it it completely changed the game for better or for worse. In my opinion, I don't particularly like to see so many threes. Um, and I think maybe they should consider moving the three point line. Um, Forward or backwards? Backwards. So I would take away the corner threes. Uh, so where it, where it comes around and then go straight down, they call I would just. It, yeah, the break. They call it the break. The break. I would just continue to the side. Okay, so so basically increasing the length because right now the corner three is actually shorter than from the top of the top of the key. Yeah, so so right now it's like you got two straight lines coming down from the baseline, and then and then it starts to do as kind of a semicircle, right? And so where it's the semicircle, I would just continue out to the side, right? And so the last fifteen feet or so inward toward the baseline would not be a three pointer. It'd be everything in there would be a two. Right, so you'd have like the paint, and then like an extended like two point area. So you would absolutely eliminate. I would. I thought before you just say you take that semicircle and stretch it out, and not do, not do that break, so that the corner three was the same distance as the three point. No, no, no. no. I'm You're saying talking about eliminating that shot. Eliminating altogether. the sides of the court altogether for threes. Yeah. Why? Just because I don't like the style of basketball, and I think the corner three is so easy. It's it's so much closer. Than, than a, a three from the top of the key. It is it is the most efficient shot in basketball. Yeah. And teams spend a lot of time on their defense taking away that shot. And it's what you see and what I think is kind of ugly basketball is a guy on either side of 
the baseline just hanging out in the corner while three guys in the middle kind of run around. Okay, and they're just waiting for one of the guys to sag off enough. They receive they receive the ball and and they shoot a three and maybe make it, maybe don't. But it's just like their their whole purpose on offense is to wait until they get open in the corner. And um, so I mean that that's fine. It works. It's efficient. Uh, but for my for my eyes, it's not it's not like pretty basketball. Like I'd rather see. Players constantly moving around, all players. So you like watching the Warriors play because they get those corner threes, but what they do is they move guys around and they move uh, off the ball movement is so important to the Warriors, and what they'll do is they'll end up in the corner after a lot of screens and movement and things like that. So it's I think it's more rare for the Warriors to have a guy just planted at the three-point line. But I see what you're saying, how that could be aesthetically less pleasing, but I think that would drastically change the game to the point where I think, well, I wouldn't like it. I, I think, think I think they should change. I think they should experiment with it. I, I would like to see how it changes the game, right? Because mm-hmm. it used to be that the three point line was somewhat ignored, and they you pound the paint, right? And that was kind of an ugly style of play. Um, but I really liked like before the three point uh, renaissance, if, if that's what we want to call it, emergence. It's renaissance. Uh, but post like packing the paint, and you had this era of like kind of like 2010 to 2012. Mostly when the Lakers were winning championships, um, the Shaq and Kobe, and then Kobe Gasol years. So those were, I think, the uh, pinnacle of basketball. So make your teams better is what I'm hearing. Oh sure. Well, that's a, that's one of the things. Like you watch the Lakers. I don't know. I, I have a lot to say about the Lakers. I don't want to say it all. But um, LeBron's an awesome player. He's really good historically. You know, whatever your argument is, he's in. He's in the top stratosphere of basketball players. And I just haven't enjoyed watching him that much this year. And it's not so much watching him, it's watching like everyone around him. Like last year, a lot of these same guys that I liked, and I still like, um, it was just fun to watch them play. Like it felt, I feel like maybe they're, they're still like scared to play with LeBron. I don't know what it is, but like there, it seems like there's been a lot of regression. Uh, now Brandon Ingram, for his part, for the last few games at least, has been playing really well. Lonzo's been injured. Like there's been a, it's been a weird season overall. LeBron was injured for the longest stint in his career, and Lakers probably aren't going to make the playoffs unless they put together they play like 750 ball over the next few weeks, um, which isn't going to happen. And uh, and so it's it's a like a little bit of a disappointing season, but it's a weird season, and just like there's no. It feels like there's no identity to this team. Like it's just like a bad. It's not a fun team to watch. I'll watch them because they're the Lakers, but it's a. It's just not a fun team to watch. Where like last year, you know, they had about the same winning percentages last year, but it was fun for some reason. Maybe because they're they're all young, so it's like, oh, this is definitely going to trend upward. Right. When you have LeBron on your team, your expectation is to get to the NBA Finals. Whether you feel deep down that way or not, there's always this little spark of hope in your heart that LeBron James can get your team to the finals. And so anything below that is going to feel like you're not meeting expectations. Because you're not. Because your expectation as a Laker fan when LeBron signs is we're going to have an earth-shattering, franchise-changing season because LeBron is going to get us to the playoffs and to the finals. And so when you have the best player in the world, when you feel that way, anything less than that is a letdown. Right? I mean, if, if they were on track to get to a, to a five or six seed or a four seed or whatever and make the playoffs and possibly make spit rain. <laughs> I just I just made it rain in here, not in a good way. 
But when you get there to the playoffs or when you don't make the playoffs and you have LeBron in your team, it feels like a huge failure. And that's probably what you're experiencing right now as a fan. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they were the they were in the four seed position and really starting to click and LeBron got injured um, around Christmas. Was it on Christmas Day? Can't it was remember. close. So, but, and, and, so, and so, yeah, there was, there was a lot of like good feelings about the Lakers at that point. He got injured, followed by Alonzo getting injured. And Lonzo getting injured, their team defense has tanked since Lonzo has gone down. So say yeah. what you want about Lonzo and his disgusting, ugly shot that is never going to translate to the NBA. If you if he was still playing and he was healthy, their team defense would be so much better. And they're they're giving yeah. up to 120, 125 a night. Seems like yeah, consistently they're, they're easily. essentially a, a top five defensive team when he plays, and they're a bottom ten, bottom five team when he doesn't right. play. And this is the LeBron experience, though. What Lakers fans are learning is nothing new to people that have been following LeBron James. He doesn't play a lot of hard defense in the middle of the season. He understands his body is wearing down. They did a stat. He was actually his average speed was slower than Dirk Nowitzki's. Duh. Right? So that's conscious, though. That's conscious. What LeBron did is he went over, he went overseas and he was with some soccer clubs, and he saw how these soccer players who are playing two soccer matches a week, sometimes more, and they're running so much and they're put through so much uh, training and all this crazy stuff, right? Yeah. They have to walk and conserve their energy when it makes sense. So LeBron picks his spots when he's playing defense or when he's playing offense. You'll see whole possessions where he passes the ball to someone and he'll stand five feet behind the three-point line and just Mm -hmm. watch the offense do something, right? He's picking his spots and he is uh, conserving his energy. He's conserving his body. So Lakers fans aren't used to seeing that. They only see the highlight plays and they only see him dunking and they only see him shooting three-pointers at the end of games and playing hard defense at the end of games and stuff. This is mid-season LeBron. This is March LeBron. He's not going yeah. to be playing hard defense all the time. So you you might see a transition, and if you don't start seeing that transition into the playoff mode LeBron, you can start seeing whether or not the Lakers are going into tank mode or get to the playoffs mode. Yeah, I don't... I mean, it's just like statistically... They're basically going to have to go like 15-4, and 16-3 to make the playoffs at this point. And... The team that's on the court right now, uh, not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Right. Uh, so, you know, there there have been conversations that they might be signing Lamelo. Lamelo. Oi, oi. Oh no, please don't. Please don't. Carmelo. Uh, Very different. And so, uh, it's somehow the same. Yeah. And but but uh, Wojnarowski, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh tweeted that the talks have paused oh. um, to see if the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. So your options are. Uh, Lakers tank mm-hmm. um, and don't make the playoffs and therefore do not sign Carmelo. Or Lakers surge, uh, look like they're going to make the playoffs, and so sign Melo and then don't make the playoffs because they signed Melo. And because he's going to take minutes away from someone else who plays serviceable basketball. Carmelo is the smartest basketball player ever. Let me explain. He's got four teams paying him. He is taking so much money from so many different places. Oh my goodness. I don't know how the league has let this go on this long. But he has his hand in every cookie jar in the league. Like, he's going to retire, and he's going to be on, like, the Bobby Bonilla contracts I think with, like, getting, every team in the NBA. I think he's getting paid in every time zone. <laughs> I think there are some Major League Baseball teams that are paying Carmelo Anthony right now. Yeah. Um, but it, it, given those two options, I say shut it down. In- Increase the ping pong balls. Increase your your draft. You get your pick this year. It's like the first year ever. You get your pick. So, 
Like the first year ever the Lakers get their pick? Well, the first year that they don't owe their pick to someone else oh, in, yeah. like, the last six years or something. It's whenever they did the Steve Nash trade, hmm. right? And uh, they actually got their first pick with for, like, three years in a row because they were – it was a top three protected. Uh, last year, I think it went to – I think it was the one that ended up going to Cleveland. Hmm. So, anyways, I don't know. So it's a weird feeling because, like, there was – like you were saying, there's so much emotion, so much good feelings about the Lakers heading into the season, and now it's like – this isn't the team I was expecting to see. A lot of that's due to injuries. I mean, if LeBron doesn't go down for 17 games, Lonzo doesn't mix six-plus weeks, I think we're talking, um, you know... They were a playoff team mid, before mid, injuries. Mid, mid, yeah, mid, uh, a mid-seed, but... Right, they were a playoff team before injuries. And yeah. LeBron in the playoffs... I will never bet against LeBron in the playoffs until he gets to the finals against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, or in this case, the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Other basketball news, like the Celtics are not doing well. And my theory is that the destinies of the Lakers and Celtics are tied to each other. The 50s, 60s, uh, it was like Celtics and Lakers, right? The 80s, it was Celtics and Lakers. The Lakers have their uh, resurgence in 2008, 2009. Who puts together a big three? The Celtics. And so the Celtics trend started a little bit earlier than the Lakers, but now the Lakers signed LeBron. But all of a sudden, LeBron gets hurt. They're losing. They're not going to make the playoffs. So the the Celtics, they can't help it. It's destiny. They're starting to free fall. I think they lost like five out of their last six. They just look not good. Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play with the kids. He, did you see the interview? He, after uh, he was walking away from some reporters, and he said, I'm not going to miss this. He said that, huh? He said that. Now, debatable whether he was talking about not miss this, like, when the season's over, when he's done playing basketball forever, or just the Boston media. So, uh, so yeah, Celtics are a free fall, and that's my consolation prize for this season. It could just be roster construction. How about that? Okay, so football has been in the news as well. That's right, AAF. No, no. Uh, so no, but didn't you hear? Uh, so uh, Alex Flanagan, uh, was it Marvin Lewis, some some Lewis, and Rod Woodson. <laughs> I don't know. They were on a on a hot mic during a commercial. What they thought was a commercial break. They thought they had you know like forty five seconds to come in. And uh, uh, Alex Flanagan, she says, uh, "And I need I need you to carry me. I need someone with energy. Uh, I can't do this." And and. Uh, and Rod Woodson says... Uh, and they're doing play-by-play of the game, right? Yeah, they're they're analyzing the game. I don't know if it's like the... I don't know if they're in the booth or if they're in the studio, but oh, gotcha. either so, way. So they're either calling the game or they're analyzing the game as studio analysts. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Rod Woodson uh, replies, uh, you know, like, don't worry about it. No one's listening. No one cares. <laughs> now, there has been clarification for both Flanagan and Woodson sure. that this was just a mantra that her mentor would say to her. Uh, to like, you know, calm her down, and so it was an inside joke type of thing, and in no way was uh, about the league. Uh, sorry, the AAF was her mentor, Michael Cohen. Whoa, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> he is going back to Congress pretty soon, so maybe that will come out. All right. So Antonio Brown is getting a bunch of flack for what he's done and what he said. And the only thing I want to say about this is all these analysts that were playing football back in the day, 
right? And they said, I would never do that or all this stuff. Chris Carter come out and spoken out against the way Antonio Brown has handled stuff. Yeah. And they've said things like, he's lost all my respect and stuff like that. Honestly, I don't think Antonio Brown cares about your respect. But also, you're not in the sure. locker room every day. You're not in the Steelers organization. And when Antonio Brown comes forward and says, I feel very disrespected as a player here in this organization. And then when the GM of the Steelers comes out and says, well, there's Ben Roethlisberger and then his 52 kids. I would be very uncomfortable as a star player and probably the best and most valuable player on your team, both yeah. financially because you're the biggest draw and, and just on the field because you're the best player and the offense kind of revolves around you and what the defense has to do to stop you. If I am called one of Ben Roethlisberger's kids, when he is not even half the reason the, the, the Steelers win any games, he's in a huge decline right now and is basically on a legacy contract because he won a few Super Bowls. Yeah. But his performance is so below what you would expect from a from a star quarterback. Why don't you just listen to him? How bad must it be for him to make this public stink about all that this is going on? Yeah. So why not just listen to Antonio Brown, take his word for what's going on in private conversations and in private locker rooms that you have no access to? Why not support him? Why are we standing up for the management here? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so in a, in a somewhat similar situation, right, they've had uh, issues with Le'Veon Bell, right? Like in terms of him actually wanting to be a part of the team or not. And, right. And so, and and so- it, it, at the beginning of the season, I was saying I was, not, I was on the Steeler side. But these are two very different positions. They're, they're very impactful, right? Are you saying the running back versus wide receiver? Running back versus wide receiver. Now, there are people that say, you know, there's only a handful of excellent running backs in the league, and so lock them up while you can. But I don't, for me, that's much more of a plug-and-play scheme offensive line. C.J. Anderson was on a team for two weeks and had like a stretch of 400 yards in three games and stuff like that. So, Whereas a wide receiver, even if they're affecting every play, uh, so a great wide receiver affects every play, even if they don't touch the ball. The because they're drawing. To, yes, the defense has to scheme to stop him. That's right. And so you're drawing two defenders to your side if you're Antonio Brown, right? Sometimes three. Sometimes three. And so you're opening up the run game. You're opening up the passing game. Uh, you're making things a lot easier on Ben Roethlisberger. And if I were Ben Roethlisberger and I had a two-headed monster in in, in Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Juju, Brown. Great Twitter follow. I would do whatever it took to keep them together, especially Antonio Brown, who's proven to be one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL over the past five years. And Ben Roethlisberger is not some great guy. Like, we forget (laughs) about the things that has happened in his life and in his career. Like, he's not some great guy, but he's gotten all of this shine on him because he's won a couple of Super Bowls. And apparently, if you win a Super Bowl in the NFL as a quarterback... You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And everyone's going to take your side on everything, especially the management, especially the fans of your team. So I think the Steelers fans that are hating on Antonio Brown, saying like you're betraying us and you're awful and all this stuff, you really don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. And sometimes you just need to listen to the players. Because if two players, two star players in this organization have had major complaints to the point where one set out an entire season and one is asking yeah. to be traded, maybe stop looking at the players and start looking at the organization. Also, I don't know, has Mike Tomlin spoken out about this? Because I feel like he needs to step up a little bit more. Mike, and Mike. Be, be more vocal, more out in the in the public about what's going on. And if if Ben is in the right, like if, if, if Ben is a great leader, and like come out and say that, right? Take, have your quarterback. Because either way, like if I'm Ben, I'm like, why isn't my coach getting my back, right? I'm being pilloried by these dudes, right? Or if I'm Antonio Brown, like, why isn't coach standing up for me? Like, 
do something, right? Yeah, so he's just kind of standing in the background, and and I don't even know if like he's if he cares. It's weird. Yeah, Mike Tomlin is like a cliche wood chipper. Like you put you put information in one side, you go and you crank it up, and then cliches fly out there. So yeah. I think he doesn't know. I don't think he's as good as handling the media and things that are going on. And I don't know if he has control of this locker room because you remember last was it a couple years ago? Was it Antonio Brown that was on Instagram like recording a, a rant after the game or during halftime or something like that while he was talking about using social media and stuff? It, I question the Steelers organization and Mike Tomlin as a coach. I would question them. Before I'd question these players, because I I feel like these players have a legitimate complaint here, or else they wouldn't be doing this the way they were doing it. Yeah. Right. Something interesting. Mike's uh, Adam Silver did a one-on-one with Bill Simmons, talking about Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. Yes. Yeah. Who looks like a thumb, with glasses on. Look it up. Google it. So he uh, he was talking to Bill Simmons about social media and how it is isolating players. So you're a part of a team and you're traveling all the time with these guys, but they spend, and he mentioned this, he, you go on a plane and it used to be you're talking, you're watching movies together, you're talking about the game, you're talking about outside interests together with your, with your teammates on a bus or, or on the plane, but now everyone's got their Beats headphones on and they're looking down at their phones on social media or playing mm. games or whatever, and there's no camaraderie and there's nothing. And so people are more miserable. These NBA players are, are sadder than they used to be because they're more isolated than they used to be because of social media. Interesting. So times are changing and things are very different. So I think we need to listen to these players and try to listen to the players more instead of just taking management's side all the time in these player issues. Sometimes the player does have a legitimate grievance and the reason they're doing things is because there's something that's really bothering them in their organization. We should listen to the players more. That's all I have to say about that. Why, I, why did I force Gump at the end?